This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Talk money to me. Hello and welcome to Talk Money To Me. I'm Candice Burke. And I'm Felicity Thomas. And here at Talk Money To Me, we're all about talking about money, stocks, investable ideas, and ways to better manage your wealth and the tools to help educate you on your financial landscape. So last week we had our Waterpad episode where we pitched CrowdStrike and PayPal as long-term buy stocks. You know, we think every growth investor should have in their portfolio. And they have come off quite a bit, even since we pitched them, which I guess for us seems like a good buying opportunity, or in our case, an opportunity to top up. Now, if you thought our last episode was exciting, well, do we have a special treat for you today? As advisors, there is one particular event held each year, which we both really look forward to, and that's the Sown Hearts and Minds Investor Conference, which was actually held on Friday the 3rd of December. That's right. So it's that one event in the calendar that we really, really look forward to. We clear the diary with everything else and we just focus on the conference. So investors gathered alongside uh, everyone else online because it was virtual because of COVID again. Uh, the Sown Hearts and Mind Australian Conference. And investors there, I guess they really saw a clear dominant theme, I would suggest, Felicity, which emerged from the post-pandemic world that we're kind of leaving now. And I thought that was disruption occurring almost everywhere. You know, disruption in tech, disruption in how consumers, um, you know, have their perception of certain platforms and, you know, goods and sales. And that ranged from restaurant apps to cryptocurrency to food delivery apps to beauty treatments and the fund managers who were pitching their next big stock ideas, they were really, in my opinion, looking towards a marketplace where it was more about convenience and the big thing was speed was king, I thought. That was a big message that everyone kept talking about. So in a world post-lockdowns, hopefully cross the fingers, that's in 2022, it's really accelerated the use of everything going digital, you know, platforms going digital, consumer behavior, like I mentioned. The trend to just go digital everywhere, I thought was the key investment thematic for the day. You know what? I agree with that speed is king. I mean, I can give you a good example, right? If you get your coffee in Sydney CBD, you're literally waiting, I don't know, 30 seconds, one minute. But when I get my coffee in my local... I'm waiting five to 10 minutes and it's less busy. (laughs) So (laughs) except for one, which is fantastic, um, one coffee shop, but it just makes sense. Yeah, I know, right? So when you're, you feel like you're time poor and you're waiting that five minutes, which is really not that long, right, for your whole day. I just don't like, yeah. So this is a question for you. What are you doing then? Are you on your phone using different platforms? You know what? Usually I'm on my phone. Um, I could be listening to a podcast, listening to ours actually, or most <laughs> of the time I'm just cuddling my little puppy because he's with me. All right, yeah. Because <laughs> I, think, I think that's what we do now as humans. We have this tendency... 
we think we're running out of time and you end up going on your phone and you're scrolling on platforms. So you might be flicking like, okay, what am I going to change my order for HelloFresh next week, right? That was actually a stock pick from last year in 2020, Sewn Hearts. It was, which you'll go through, which is pretty good. Yeah, so we everything now is available in our hands and we demand it now. That's it. The click of your finger. Yeah. So I guess if you missed the event, don't worry, we've got you covered. The star of the show was Charlie Munger and he kicked off the day and he touched on his experience investing in capital markets and the lessons learned investing alongside his business partner, Warren Buffett. Now, don't worry, a little later on, we will cover off this wisdom. And after Charlie, we heard from 13 presenters with one fundy being brave enough actually to pick a, co- a post-COVID loser, pitching a short bet in the longest bull market on record. Yeah, that was controversial. I remember the last couple of Sewn Hearts, there was at least two shorts, but this time, mm. interesting, only one. But you've got to be very brave to, to be a short seller in exactly. any market, right? Publicly. So, 100%. And so, as always, guys, our chat today, it's not considered personal advice, even though we're registered financial advisors at Shawn Partners. So please note this podcast and content discussed does not constitute as financial advice, nor is it a financial product. As always, if one of these stock ideas, you know, it sounds interesting and you want to add to your portfolio, it's general in nature and you should seek professional appropriate advice before making your decisions. We are going to go through the companies um, that were pitched at the Sewn Hearts 2021 conference. So we're going to talk about some of the balance sheets and et cetera, but all the companies that we're discussing on our show today are, are offered in good faith based on the facts known at the time and don't contain all relevant information in respect to the financial products to which they relate. Okay, now that that fun disclaimer is done, before we get into the companies, let's give you a quick rundown of what Sewn Hearts and Minds Investor Day is all about. You might have heard about it, you might not, but essentially this event takes inspiration from the US event and is hosted by Hearts and Minds Group, which provides a concentrated portfolio of the highest conviction ideas from leading fund managers while providing funds to Australian medical research. Now, it's actually a listed investment company or a LIC, Hearts and Minds investments and it's actually HM1 on the ASX. Now it's donated over 30 million to these charities that they support, which is amazing. It is incredible what they do. Uh, they actually donate one and a half percent of all their NTA of the lick to the charities they support, which I think is fantastic. And on top of that, all the fundies and their top ideas are donating their free time to to pass on this amazing uh, lick. So since it listed in 2018, of November 2018, in fact, it's actually outperformed the index. So it's benchmarked against the MSCI World Index, which that index has performed 16.7. And as of their October 2021 report, the Hearts and Minds LIC has actually performed 24.4%. So that's a great alpha that it's generating. Yeah, that definitely is. If you haven't heard of it, we encourage you to look it up on your uh, investing apps. Exactly. I guess investing in the lick means you don't have to pick one of these individual ideas. Correct. You get the overall. Yeah. And um, what we wanted to actually go through is give you a little bit of a recap of the picks from 2020, which was held a little earlier on November the 13th, 2020. Yep. Um, you know, kind of discuss how they've, you know, what price they were pitched at, what they are today and kind of what their high is, because we want to help you know, get you to understand that the market is quite volatile, right? When you're invested for only a year, um, there's a lot of peaks and troughs. 
So the first one was CSL, the ASX darling, which we've all heard about. It really needs no description. So that was pitched at $309.46. Today, it's actually down. It's $296.29 with a 52-week high of $319.78. Yeah, that's interesting, right? And you think like a healthcare stock will just kill it in the pandemic markets, but it's obviously been volatile and it's that, you know, CSL and CBA here in Australia always um, compete for the number one position in terms of market cap. So it's not a small company we're talking about. And I think as we go through the list, we're actually going to find that healthcare hasn't done as well as we thought it was going to do. Yeah, and the theme for 2021 was more the disruptors online platforms. Not necessarily are these companies yet making earnings, but the story is all about the growth. And I think the stock that won in 2020 is another pandemic platform business that just has accelerated because we're all working from home. So the next stock, uh, which was pitched in the 2020 round, was T-Mobile, T-M-U-S on the NASDAQ, the code for that one. And essentially T-Mobile is the US um, version of Telstra. It's a massive telecom over there. And it's been the only carrier in the US to deliver 5G across the US economy. And that was pitched at uh, $128.23. And today it's around $115. So you could argue it hasn't really moved, but the 52-week high was $150.20. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I guess here's another healthcare, which is on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, which we all know has been hit Um, you know, heavily over the last couple of months, which is really, you know, unfortunate. It's Ping An Healthcare and Technology. Now, this is one of the most sophisticated players in AI and digital health. um, And its share price, you know, they believed could have gone five to 10 times more, right, in the next five years, which it still could. Now, it was pitched at 103 Hong Kong Kong dollars. It's actually now 27 Hong Kong dollars. Yeah. um, With a 52-week high of 104. 48 Hong Kong dollars. So you see that huge decline um, after everything that's been going on in the Chinese economy. Yeah, but like you said, this was, I remember when he pitched it, it was a two to five year play. And it was really talking about that they don't have a concentrated um, and organized marketplace for healthcare in the Asia markets. And this business is addressing that. So I still believe in Ping An, but it's super volatile. I agree. I actually think that this is not based on the business and the company. It's just based on macro factors rather than the company actually being a bad investment. Yeah. And I guess whenever it's still the the caveat you have to consider as an investor when you go into emerging markets, you still have a lot of regulatory risk. You still have a lot of political risk um, when you invest there. So you've got to, you've got to know the company, you've got to do your DD and you've just got to, I guess, have the conviction if you think it's a good company, just stick it out when it's volatile. The next company that they mentioned in the 2020 rounds of Sone Hearts was another Asian stock. So there was a lot of Asian stocks last year, we noticed, and that was the, the next one was Nintendo. Probably everyone's really familiar with that. It doesn't need an introduction. And that was pitched at 54,480 yen. And today it again, hasn't really moved and it's now sitting around 50,640 yen. But it did have a bit of a bull run halfway through the year and the 52-week high was 69,830 yen. So I think Nintendo is another one that's kind of a no-brainer in my opinion. I put um, Nintendo alongside, you know, stocks like Disney and I think these types of... um, Well, that's a big call. (laughs) It is a big call. But look, even Disney's come off lately too. Yeah. 
everything has. But these platform gaming, um, you know, very much the next generation, I think, of gaming, I think these companies will stick around and they will perform well. I would hold Nintendo, in my opinion, for at least five, ten years. Yeah, and then we have Fisher and Paykel again. So the code is FPH on the ASX, pitched at 31.92, today it's 31, 52-week high was 34.29. This didn't really do much either, and this kind of falls again in the healthcare space. Yeah, a lot of people know Fisher & Paykel as the kitchen appliance business, but the stock was pitched because it was talking about they were making the uh, ventilators mm-hmm. to help with the COVID pandemic in the hospitals um, and also the portable ones that you can take home to help with like um, s- sleeping problems and breathing problems. So I thought this was a good company when they pitched at the time. And that's the thing. When you sit down at the Sonhearts Minds Conference, you think oh, every business okay. is a winner. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's a you winner because they're so good do. at convincing you. But then you've got to take a step back and look at the, the balance sheet, right, or all the earnings <laughs> or whatever it is. And the next company was another Asian company, uh, Shenzhou International, and that was pitched at 135 Hong Kong dollars, and it's now 151 and 30 cents Hong Kong dollars. So as of right now, it's actually up. Great. And the 52-week high was 207 Hong Kong dollars. And so this one was more in the manufacturing. Yes, it was. Um, it was apparel. Yeah, which is quite interesting. So a comp to Nike, I guess. Yeah, which that seemed to do well. Then we've got Yika, so pronounced Yika. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Yika. Yika or Yeeha. Well, we were saying Yeeha at one point in the year. Because it was reaction. going so well. Now we're going Yee No. <laughs> yeah, so um, the code is 9923 on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. Now, again, technology platform that sits smack in the middle of China's flourishing mobile payment system, where a string of competing payment services such as WePay and Alipay compete at the merchant terminal to service online shoppers. Now, this was pitched at 37 Hong Kong dollars. Today, it is a sad 25 Hong Kong dollars, but the fifth 52-week high was 122 Hong Kong dollars. So that's when we were cheering. Yeah. Um, again, I think a really interesting business, one that we still have in the portfolio and we're actually looking to double down. And that's because it is essentially the AI business um, and the QR code business behind everything there. Mm-hmm. So particularly in Asia, you have an open wallet concept in how you purchase goods in the Asian market. So it's all on their phone, right? Is Everything's all on their Exactly. Phone. You'll open it up and you can pay with QR codes, Bitcoin, traditional credit card, cash, whatever it is. So Yika, I still think is one to watch in my opinion. Yeah. And just hit because of, you know, the Chinese technology crackdown which I think is only temporary. Now, the next one was probably another familiar one for our Aussie listeners, Temple and Webster. TPW on the ASX was is the code for that one. That was pitched at $9.98 um, on the ASX and today is around $10.20. But the 52-week high was around $15. So this one also is kind of a little bit of a no-brainer now in hindsight 2020, so to speak, because everyone was in lockdown mm. and were continuing to, to shop online to improve their home because that's all we could do. We could just be at home. We're seeing a little bit of, a, I guess, a theme here that consumer discretionary seems to be doing well mm. versus healthcare. Correct. Odd. Right. Correct. Then we've got Treasury Wine. So again, consumer discretionary. Yep. Uh, 
or compulsory in, in our <laughs> in our um, opinions. So pitched at nine dollars eighteen. I mean that Treasury's had quite a hard year. Um, today it's ten dollars oh three, but it actually had a fifty-two week high of thirteen thirty-four. So it's really surprised me, Treasury, over this last year. Yeah, and then if you look, if you remember, like three four months ago, it might have even been longer. I mean, where has this year gone? I remember when the Chinese economy came out, Felicity, and we're increasing their tariffs mm-hmm. on a lot of the soft commodities. Treasury got smashed in that time, along with like A2 Milk. But a company that never really mm. got smashed, which was the winner of 2020 Sonart stock picks, was Bill.com. So B-I-L-L on the NAS, on the um, New York Stock Exchange is the code. That was pitched at a small $95.24 at the time. And today it's trading around $232. So that's the winner, 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 chicken dinner. That is. And the 52-week high for the year was just shy of $350. It reached $348.49. So that's definitely the winner. And that was pitched by, um, I'm going to say his name wrong, sorry, Babak, if, you, if you're listening. Babak. But you are back, back this year for 2021. And, and he's from Coda Capital. And I really was looking forward to his stock pick that he had this year round. Yeah, that was fantastic. And we've got a couple of happy clients in that one. Um, then another one that's actually done very well. Um, that you would have thought was maybe boring, maybe not boring, but you didn't expect it. Again, it was like a shock when they brought it up. It was a shock. We were like, what? Um, And a consumer discretionary again. So it's actually Target. So TGT on the New York Stock Exchange. It was pitched $162. Today it's $242 and the 52-week high $268. So Target, interesting. Yeah. Bullseye. Bullseye. And and I remember the um, fund manager was saying he was very bull on Target because they were very clever in the US at targeting the click. Click and collect, was that it? Yeah. Click and collect, yeah. They were the first kind of movers in um, the US to do that in the COVID world. And just like we we're talking about, all the consumer discretionary stocks, what, what could we do last year and this year? We sat at home, we bought stuff online. And it got delivered to our home through Amazon or we drove out for a little adventure every day to click and collect. (laughs) (laughs) So another one that um, I actually use and I mentioned it earlier and it's done really well, in my opinion, is HelloFresh, which is um, HFG. And that was pitched at $43.56 or sorry, I should say euro. And today it's 82 and 34 euro. And the week, 52 week high for the year was 97 and a half. So that one's done really well. Again, similar pandemic lockdown kind of um, consumer discretionary theme. And then we had Slack or work on the New York Stock Exchange, which is actually no longer there. So it was pitched at twenty five seventy five. Um, today it's you know it was taken over by Salesforce at a share price of twenty six seventy nine, and you also received point zero seven seven six shares of CRM or Salesforce. Now, if you equated that to the share price, it'd be about a profit forty five eighty six per share. So a great profit there on that takeover. And again, very happy clients in this one. And that was like very controversial. I remember when uh, Salesforce made the offer mm. at the time, Slack skyrocketed in the share price and Salesforce went down because everyone thought the market, in their opinion, they'd pay too much. But now- it's 27 billion? Yes, 27 billion US. So look, no brainer for um, Salesforce. They're just eating up, you know, the CRM market share, that one there. Yeah. 
So the next one was another healthcare um, kind of telehealth stock pitch by Kathy Wood. And this one was controversial because Kathy, the previous year in 2019, pitched Tesla. And from memory, Tesla was, I think, around, you know, less than $100 US per share. And now it's over a thousand bucks again. So she came out strong going, look, I pitched controversial last year. I'm going to pitch another controversial. And so Teldoc is what she pitched, and that was TDOC on the New York Stock Exchange, and she was pitching at around $183 US per share, and it's dropped quite a bit. It's been volatile, and now it's trading around $94 US per share. But at some point in the year, she was killing it, and she was getting it so right because the 52-week high was $308 US per share. So I guess to summarize, before we jump into 2021 and, and how the event was in our opinion and uh, the highlights and the companies we want to chat about. We wanted to demonstrate that you shouldn't really, I think, be concerned in a very volatile market. It's important to not look, particularly every day, you know, look less in, mm-hmm. in our opinion. And when you find a really compelling argument or a really compelling business that you think is, you know, kicking it on on all the metrics in your opinion and it suits your portfolio, really look for over more than one year, you know, more like three to five, ideally five to seven is what we say when you want to invest in equities. Yeah, exactly. That you really need to take that longer term view and not be so short sighted, I believe. I guess if people were short sighted on Tesla a couple of years ago, they'd be kicking themselves now, right? Correct. But before we hear this year's conference picks, we are going to hear from our sponsors. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay. Now let's get our thoughts on this year's conference and picks. So, Candice, what were your thoughts on Charlie's interview? So I really enjoyed this part of the um, conference this year because obviously Charlie, you know, he's he's the legend when it comes to investing. And the first kind of question that was um, pitched to him was, how is he finding the current market conditions? And, you know, I thought he was going to say, oh, look, there's lots of investing opportunities still. You know, he's an investor, right? So he's always thinking bull. 
Um, But he actually said something like, it's even crazier than the dot-com era in his opinion. And I think he was referring to valuations at that point. And I think from his perspective, he's been around for, you know, decades, right? And he's seen all these different peaks and troughs. 97 years. (laughs) Yeah, 97. And he still got it. Like he was still pretty sharp, I thought, you know. And, um, and so he's seen all these different crashes and all these different cycles, but I still think he has that old school mentality a bit. Mm-hmm. He's still of that value investor, which, you know, I actually, I'm, I'm a bit like that. I'm a bit old school, as you know, Felicity. Yeah. So then I thought, you know what? It's not shocking me now I think about it, that he doesn't have interest in these widely overly valued stocks and, and companies, in his opinion. Um, and he was saying he thinks they're ignoring fundamentals. It's all about the growth story. It's not about the earnings. Um, and I thought that was really interesting to his point. And there was a couple of quotes that I'm just going to um, bring up that I wrote down. And I think this really sums up Charlie's opinions in the market at the moment. So firstly, he said, I think all successful investing is value investing in the sense that you're trying to get better prospects than you're paying for. And then the other quote that really stood out to me was he goes, there's no great company that can't be turned into a bad investment just by raising the price. So what's he saying here is he's saying Tesla. Let's use Tesla, right? Mm. He thinks Elon Musk, uh, he made a comment about that. Do you remember what he was saying? Mm. Yeah, he was saying like, look, he's he's a bit crazy, but he's a brilliant man. Yeah, he did say that. And he was very future forward thinking at the time. But Tesla up until recently wasn't making a profit. So the price valuation for Tesla was just ridiculous on a PE multiple. So you can turn any good company into a bad investment if the price doesn't justify the underlying earnings. Yeah, and look, I think what is also really important to mention on the on that point is that Charlie believes that the great companies of the world have already been discovered and that they're expensive to buy. Um, yep. You know, perhaps the next 1,000 bagger hasn't actually been listed yet or perhaps it actually is a micro cap that no one's really heard of. I mean, we'd love to hear your thoughts. And we're actually going to post a questionnaire about this on Instagram on Friday, because I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think there are some potential thousand baggers out there. Um, and I think we know a couple of them. Yeah. And he, and to that point as well, he was saying the younger generation, the millennials uh, and those types. He doesn't understand them. <laughs> no, he doesn't understand them. And he was saying, um, you know, the millennial investor these days are very optimistic. Mm-hmm. They do think they're going to find the next 100, 200, 300,000 bagger. And then with so much wisdom and I guess longevity in the market, he's gone, nah, they're, they're already out there. It's funny how he's a bit more pessimistic than we are. But then the thing is, right, do you look historically, right? Or should you be looking at the next gen and what they're using, what they're thinking? And I think this probably leads us to your next point. Yeah. Well, the next gen, right, you could argue is the cryptocurrency market. And when he was asked his thoughts on that economy, he referred to the industry as self-serving entrepreneurs that only think about themselves. He really didn't want any cryptocurrency person in his family, he was saying. I think that's what most... um people think about millennials right <laughs> yeah and he and he was so negative on it which again shocked me and he goes i wish they never had been invented he just and it also was pretty clear that he sticks to his knitting he doesn't understand cryptocurrencies and he's he's cool with that and he goes i just don't get it and i'm not interested yeah and look i think that probably is another good point that we can take it a bit differently we can say all right understand you don't understand crypto and you're sticking to what you know perhaps as an investor you should stick to what you know 
Yeah, right. definitely. And, and that's what him and Warren as lessons learned. They kept saying, you know, we are so successful at what we do because we know how to value a company in the way that we do it and we have a tried and test model and we just stick to our ninny. Mm. That's what he kept saying. And he was very humble about that. Let's just hope that's not the case for our crypto-loving listeners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And the conversation then moved. So he went from the negative um, kind of territory in crypto and then he went back into the positive territory. And he was super positive on Costco and their ability to reduce prices because of their strong purchasing power. They just dominate the market over there in the US. And in fact, globally, right? And he sees its future as really an internet force. So I guess similar to the 2020 pitch of Target, you know, he was – Uh, Charlie was arguing Costco is going down that route. Mm. Um, It's a competitor from hell, in his opinion, against all the retailers. And he kind of likened it to Amazon. And he was a big admirer of Jeff Bezos and his achievements. And he actually said that Amazon should be scared of Costco, really, which was an interesting point. But I guess what is also interesting is Berkshire Hathaway actually sold their full position of Costco in June 2020, pocketing a nice 1.3 billion now we all know that charlie's still a costco director so it was a very interesting move there i guess what is also very interesting is that apple is actually just under 43 percent of berkshire hathaway's holdings with a value of 125 billion so again loved costco not actually invested in it in their main fund now but i think he does still hold it personally but that was quite interesting. And I'm so happy that they have that much Apple because I'm an Apple shareholder from way back when and that's just super happy news to yeah, me. Yeah, we love Apple. <laughs> <laughs> and then the conversation kind of shift to a bit more of the Australian listeners because obviously it was a Sonheart Australian conference and he was asked on his thoughts on the Australian and China relationship. And what was interesting was... Um, Charlie is a major supporter of renewable energy. I didn't think that was controversial when he said that statement, mm. particularly wind and solar, and he thinks Australia is in a really good position to hone on our renewable energy sources. Yeah, and I think that makes a lot of sense for Australia. I mean, we're surrounded by sea, so you've got the wind, and we've got so much land, so much sun. We should really be leading the way, I believe, yep. in wind and solar energy. Yeah, and it's a shame we're not, but that's okay. That's another topic for another time, and we did kind of cover that last another time debate. in ESG. <laughs> yeah, but so he was a massive advocate in the replacement of coal, in his opinion, and petrol and diesel, and you know suggested Australia should sell its minerals and continue to strengthen the relationship with China. And so one quote there, which I took away, was very interesting. Was he said, "I think Australia was very lucky to have China get so." prosperous when they did and it's actually been a blessing for Australia I agree with that comment and I think Australia with its deep involvement in China can be in a constructive position and I remember he was saying it was actually doing a better job managing their relationship with China than the US and China so um, look I took that comment as he's still very bullish on China which was a major theme for the 2020 round of Sown Hearts. And then it kind of led to him mentioning a, a stock that I'd never heard of, in my opinion. I had to actually look it up. And it's BYD Company. And the code on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange was 1211. And it's 105 billion US market cap. And when I started doing some research, I discovered that this company researches, develops, and manufactures rechargeable batteries that are lithium-ion based. So it kind of leads into his ESG conversation that he was saying. And the space that we're very interested in. So this could be a good one for us. 
So that was a good little tip. Thanks, Charlie. And and so BYD Company, what they do is they basically sell these rechargeable lithium-ion batteries for um, cars and mobile handheld devices. So I think that's an interesting business to look at. And the price target on a consensus 12-month looking forward is it's going to reach $380 in in the Hong Kong market. So that's about 34% upside. So I'm going to do more research on that one. And I'm, I'm, you never know, it might come on the autopad one day. That's it, it could. You know, you need to look for large remote companies with, with a great competitive advantage, which makes it really hard for any competitors to come in. You know, we discussed this with CrowdStrike and PayPal. Um, you know, avoid overconfidence, earnings and company outlooks. But sometimes you also do need to look through the noise. Now, let's actually dive into the stocks pitched at the event. Take a little bit long to get here. <laughs> um, <laughs> but oh. we made it. We made it. So we noticed there are a few key sectors and themes mentioned by the fund managers, those being discretionary leisure, technology, disruptors, cryptocurrency, finance, and finally, industrials and logistics. Yeah, that's right, Felicity. So in the first sector category of like uh, leisure, as Americans say, or leisure or discretionary spending, and the the presenter was from Techni Capital Management. So Felicity, what was this stock that was pitched? So this was actually Berlin-based restaurant app Delivery Hero was his top pick, um, quoting the stock's wide valuation discount to its peers. You know, in which one of his peers was Gorilla. Now, in his opinion, Delivery Hero is enjoying the boom in last mile logistics of takeaway food. Um, you know, in ta- in clothes, in a business where scale is critical. You know, volumes have risen significantly. I'm probably one of those consumers. Uh, while profitability <laughs> is improving. Losses have been huge, but it didn't actually seem to phase him. Now, he has a really strong track record of pitching winners. You know, he absolutely loves the management team and he loves the fact that it's founder-led. The shares have actually dropped 15% in this past year, um, but this could actually be a buying opportunity um, and he perhaps, you know, sees it as even tripling. I mean, I had some notes down that he was thinking even the potential for 300, 500% returns. So I thought this was a really interesting pick in last mile delivery. Um, you know, it's expected last mile delivery is actually expected to reach US sixty two point seven billion with a CAGR of eighteen point nine percent by twenty twenty seven. So he believes it's best placed for this theme. Yeah, and I think it had grown sixty five percent this year. It's in fifty countries. I think from the quotes that I was writing down, it was one point seven billion customers. It was the best app in ninety percent of the markets that it operates in, which is four times larger than the the app that's in second place. And what really shocked me was they are processing two hundred and sixty million monthly orders every single month. That's insane on the platform. That, that's it. And the price now is actually ninety nine point eight. Euro. Yeah, let's round it up to 100 euro. Okay, let's just say it was 100. <laughs> so the price now is 100 euro, and he thinks the price target is going to be 700, wasn't it? Euro. Yeah, I know. That's a bit, that's so bullish. That's so <laughs> bullish. Um, but Hope it pays off for him. If we actually look at the 12 month consensus price target of other analysts, it's 166 euro. So 66.5% upside. Bit more I mean, realistic. That's true. <laughs> but that's you never a bit know. More you never know. You never know. So add right. that what to your next? autopad if, you, if you're interested. And then the next one was um, one of my all-time favourite presenters, Hamish Corlett from TDM Growth Partners. This guy pitched Slack last year 
And this year he was actually doubling down on his 2019 stock pick, which was Spotify, which is one of my favorite companies that I personally own. And he reckons the firm is even more attractive now than when he was talking about it in 2019 because basically it's in pole position in the audio and in particular podcast market. And he really does stick by his guns and he thinks it's going to be the next fang stock to join. So he's talking about uh, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix and Google there. So I guess he called it fangs with an S at the end. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, audio books, I think, was one of their main things that they were going to get into. This was one of my favourite picks again. And we've yeah. got, you know, we've got a lot of clients invested in this one too. And he was he was more arguing the fact that it's got 400 million users on the platform and expects it to be reaching over a billion users in the next five years. So he's not thinking 12 months. He's thinking five years yeah. plus. There's also obviously risks involved, which he went through. But overall, I think this was a really standout stock for the year. And the stock code is SPOT, no brainer. The market cap is 43 billion US. Last traded price is sitting around $232. And the 12 months price target is around $305 US. So that's kind of 31.5% upside. Yeah. So a bit of a no brainer. I mean, everyone uses Spotify, right? Yeah. And, and, and that, that particular firm is always in the no-brainer large-cap tech stocks, in my opinion. Yeah. And I, so what was the next one, Felicity? So the next one was Joyce Meng of Fact Capital. Um, so she actually pitched a NASDAQ-listed beauty health company, so called Beauty Health Co., whose core hydrofacial product is gaining traction from social media. Now, she actually sees the company's strong organic growth continuing even after the share price more than doubled this year and trades at a whopping 38 times normalized profits. Now, Beauty Health knows people want to look great on Zoom calls and Instagram posts. And the core asset is a skin treatment, which is popular with beauty spas and costs around $200. Now, the code is skin.naz, which is quite... Uh, love it. I love that. <laughs> easy to remember. Market cap is $3.4 billion, so quite small. Um, last traded 22 and 12-month consensus price target is $32, so roughly 40% upside. Now, what about you, Candice? What's the next one? I think this is a bit more of the controversial from Phil King of Regal. Yeah, this was the only short to be pitched on the day. So Phil King from Regal, who is the CIO there, he was negative on Flight Centre Group and he was really kind of saying ahead of the economy's reopening, he thought it was way too fast ahead of the reality of the COVID kind of world that we live in and he believes the Australian firm still faces major financial challenges and it was the only short sell, as I mentioned, that was pitched on the day and he was arguing the price recovery is based on the economy reopening but the company has rapidly reduced its store numbers to manage costs. I mean, yeah, that makes sense Mm. and it will never return to its past glory days. Airlines will pay fewer kickbacks and a major source of the past revenues and it's going to face far more competition from digital rivals. I think also another point that I don't remember him saying but I think I've been, I would agree and I've been reading a lot of market data on this is that corporates are just not paying the amounts that they used to to fly their C-suites for example to overseas markets or local areas for boardroom conferences that people are just doing it. We don't need to anymore. That's right. People are doing it on Zoom. I do agree that the recovery is going to be a bumpy road for the travel and tourism sector and Flight Centre is unfortunately caught up in all of that. So that's interesting one to watch. And yeah, I actually think with this one too, think about it. When you book a flight, I actually just book directly 
with the airline. Yeah, same. I don't use Flight Centre or any of the other aggregates out there. No. I think it's more of an older generation thing. And in particular, like I'll, I'll use my example of my, my, my nan. She uses a um, travel agent because she has a long relationship with that travel mm. agent, like, you know, worked for her for 20 years. And so the shares, interesting for Flight Centre, they actually fell about 4.5% when uh, the, the conference was on on the ASX. And then so coming back to the earlier part. Maybe he closed his short then. Yeah. <laughs> well, coming, it's interesting to watch the stocks during the conference, like how they yeah. trade. And then coming back to, to Charlie's earlier comments, you know, he was asked, would you rather own an airline or an airport? And he said, airport. no brainer, airport. You want to own the real estate, not the airline. 100%. So another negative in the travel sector. So if you're looking it up, it's FLT on the ASX, three and a half billion market cap. Last trader price was around $18. It's actually up five or so percent today as of our recording date, which is the 7th of December, 2021. And the consensus price target is $19.68. So roughly 14% upside. So I hope that doesn't happen for Phil. I hope it goes the other way. So his short is is um, legitimized and it's actually short at the moment, 13% flight center. So one to watch. Interesting. And then we have the next sector, tech. So Jay Khan from Flight Deck actually pitched Bengo 4, which was described as Japan's DocuSign and changing Japanese regulations have created a movement to electronic signatures. So it's cloud sign products. Start again. It's cloud sign product is in the early stages of adoption, while the company has a legacy business connecting lawyers with clients. Flight Deck Capital founder Jay Khan sees a big opportunity for website services firms. He sees big potential and pitched his belief that the Tokyo listed firm will become Japan's equivalent of DocuSign, especially after the government relaxed regulations on signing methods. You know, the shares have actually fallen 36% this year. Um, that was a really interesting pitch. And obviously, this mm. was before DocuSign came off. Actually, sorry, no, it wasn't. This was the same. This actually played or was presented the same day DocuSign came off about 42% in the US overnight, which was very interesting. Um, I still don't think that DocuSign and um Bengo for a purely COVID plays. I do think the world globally needs to move to e-signature. So, you know, I think maybe a bit of short-term pain here. We've had it with Nitro, we've had it with DocuSign and, you know, this company as well, Bengo 4. But I believe we need to move this way for the future. Mm. So the stock code is 6027 on the Japanese stock exchange. The market cap's $138 billion. Um, last traded price was 6,240 yen and 12 months consensus price target is actually 10,780 yen so roughly 72 percent upside that's pretty good yeah that's that was a big bull um mm. when we did our research on it so next up we had eleanor swanson from fire trail and it was great to see a female fundy up there i was like go women woohoo yeah that's it and so she pitched a company which is listed here in australia it's a tech business called megaport mp1's the code you may be familiar with it and basically it's a tech solving business that connects the problems with a fast and flexible telco network offered at competitive prices in her opinion. She thinks that it has very loyal customers and they can scale up really easily and supported by like a sales force kind of CRM push, which we know is a rapid growth in the adoption of, of the future years to come. Yeah, I mean, 
what did she say? Didn't she say that this could potentially be the largest telecommunication company globally? Yeah, she did. And she was also kind of liking it to the success stories of Afterpay. So she was very bull on this stock. Mm. MP1 shares are actually up 44% this year. So, you you know, it's great to be a bull when the share prices perform that well. (laughs) But she was, the way she kind of pitched the stock, she really grabbed me because she was talking about how she was reading a lot of interesting books in lockdown and it's all about the story you tell and everything like that. And she was very compelling at selling the story of MP1, I thought. But she does think that the share price can double from where it is now and she's going to hold it, she was saying, long until the end of 2022. So uh, it's a market cap of $3.3 billion. Doesn't sound like a lot here in Australia, but that's that's pretty up there for our tech companies. Yeah. And the last traded price was $21. The consensus which shocked me when I did research on this company after the event is actually $19.88. So roughly, you know, kind of 3 4% downside from the current prices. So interesting to watch that one. Yeah. So I think this one had a bit of the execution risk, right? So they were kind of yep. in, executing into new markets. So I think one to watch and perhaps we'll do a little bit more research on that one, I reckon. So what was the next one then? Okay. So the next one was Nick Griffin of Munro Partners. Now this is actually NASDAQ listed and it's called on semi. Now, one of my favorite thematics um, specializes in the semiconductors that will power many of the major technical shifts to electric vehicles, transition from fossil fuels, renewable energy, recycling, and waste disposal. Now, an autonomous electric vehicle will require up to US 1600 of semiconductors versus only US 375 in an internal combustion engine. Now, OnSemi has quality management and is priced at only 20 times earnings, more like an industrial rather than a tech company. So that would be tick value from Charlie. Now, Nick argued that businesses like OnSemi will become more important as the world races towards decarbonisation. And he said its products will likely power most of the major shifts from internal combustion engines to electric vehicles through to the transition from fossil fuels to renewables. Now, this is one of my favorites and is definitely going to be on the buy list. Um, now, the code is ON on the NASDAQ. Market cap is $26.6 billion, Last traded at $61. And 12-month price target is only $63, so only 2% upside. So I think um, the market's missing this story potentially. Yeah, and when we were doing research on it, it was interesting. Uh, Felicity and I noted that not a lot of coverage on this stock. So maybe that's another reason why the PT is kind of where the, where the market is at the moment. Yeah. But agree, that was a really interesting, compelling story. Semiconductors, bit of a no-brainer. That's it, supply demand. Um, in, yeah, and in the ESG space as well. So next up, we had um, a very interesting company, which was pitched by another global US fund manager firm, and that was GitLab. So on the NASDAQ, and it's a software development company, which operates a platform for the um, DevOps industry of software developers. So it allows developers essentially to go through DevOps processing using um, a new kind of emergent standard, much like Alassian, if you think about that business. And it's created a core part of this new um, platform software. So GitLab focuses on the next phases and the founder of the fund manager, Yen, said the firm is in particular 
he thinks it's a duopoly with Microsoft's GitHub for the fastest growing DevOps industry within the software development business. So this was a really interesting one, I thought. It made me really want to look up the company more. I've only just done a little bit of research on it, but what I did find was that it's a $4.7 billion market cap. Um, GTLB on the NASDAQ is the code. Last traded price was $89. And this is what really started to trigger my um, interest was it is widely covered. There's quite a few brokers on it already. And they think the 12-month forward consensus price target is $135.67 US per share. So that's 52.5% upside. Yeah. So I liked this company. I want to do more research on it. Yeah, that was definitely another one of, because I guess we're going to go through our top three, right? Um, What I liked about this is it focused on all three DevOps market rather than Atlassian. He just focuses on one section. One market, yeah. So it seemed like, you know, a three in one. And I think also when I reflect back on the Slack pitch, and they were really focusing on the one sector market. And then Salesforce came up and, and bought them out. I was thinking when I was listening to Glick Lab that perhaps this could be a takeover conversation. Another big player like Alassian, I don't even know, maybe Salesforce would buy it. Who knows? Amazon, anyone would yeah, buy that. Really interesting. And then we had some crypto, um, which was Gavin Baker. Um, he actually pitched Coinbase Global, which is a cryptocurrency exchange tapping into global growth using Coinbase Cloud. Now, it's a web 3.0 application development on blockchain, which will be disruptive technology for the coming decades. Now, I really liked this business and I understand why he believes it's a good investment because it doesn't really matter matter if cryptocurrency is going up or down, uh, people are buying and selling on this exchange. So, you know, you take away, I guess, a little bit of that, um, I guess, risk, the volatility risk, I think, here. I mean, it's a platform play, right? They're just clipping That's it, transactions. Clipping the ticket. Um, so even though the mood from Charlie was negative with cryptocurrency, you know, this company has a consensus price target of $426. So it's 61.9% from its current price of $263. Market cap is $51 billion and the code is COIN on the NASDAQ. Love that. Love that um, ticket. And I think you can't also ignore like big banks here in Australia are investing in the crypto space. So whether you're a believer or non-believer, it's definitely a currency that is trying to become more mainstream. So one to watch. The next sector that we kind of unpacked in the presenters was the finance sector. So from Ellen Griffiths, um, David was up next and he's a small cap portfolio manager right up Felicity's Alley. And he was pitching Pinnacle Investment Management, PNI on ASX is the code for that. And the shares have actually um, more than doubled this year so far, but he reckons there's more to go, that the Australian firm is about to expand offshore into new markets and it's reopening its borders, as we know, in 2022. That's going to be a major boost in his opinion. So could it be the next Magellan, potentially? You know, it could be. Because Magellan's you know, obviously gone up and come back down. That's right. And he didn't see any key man risk concerns there. He thought it's highly scalable business, lots of existing managers. 16, so, right? So, yeah, 16 underlying and all you know, pretty impressive managers. One very impressive um, as well, Hyperion, <laughs> that we... Hyperion has killed it. Killed it. And 
So P&I is the code if you're interested. 3.07 billion is the market cap. Last trader price was $15.47. And the opinions out there is it's going to reach a PT or, or a price target in 12 months of $17.66. So that's 15, 14% upside. Interesting. Yeah. I really like that one. Now, Marcus Bill here of Builders Union actually named a freshly listed London-based fintech company called Wise as his top pick. Now, when he started talking through Wise, I was like, "I this sounds like a company that I already know. Yeah. Then I figured out it's actually TransferWise. They've just changed their name. Because <laughs> <laughs> they compared transferring money overseas, you know, with Westpac and other, you know, majors. So, you know, essentially this business allows money transfers across the borders, superior mm-hmm. pricing, speed, convenience. I mean, I agree with that. Interesting business. You know, there are some risks though. So fee compression, you know, in a world where traditional banks take massive margins from retail FX. So interesting one to watch. Um, I'm not 100% sure I'm going to jump on it straight away. Uh, Code is WISE on the London Stock Exchange, 7.2 billion. Last traded $7.28 and 12-month price target is $9.86. So 35% upside. And then the next one that was up was um, the one that I was looking forward to the most. Um, Babak was back and he's from Coda Capital. <laughs> and he tipped the Seattle-based um, US software business, Alvaria. And he said he thought it could grow from a 700 million revenue basis business today to billions and billions of dollars in the next four to five years. I mean, that sounded good. He had me at those those top line figures. And essentially, the US tax software business has increased revenues at 40% over the last year and is now boasting to have 70,000 customers on its books. But the market share is small, so it's only penetrated 5% so far. Gross margin business is very high, 74%, but no earnings yet. So again, this was another Charlie kind of story stock where it's it's got a lot of compelling growth arguments, but it's not yet EBITDA positive. And the company essentially is solving a major problem for businesses that still manage tax in the old-fashioned pen and paper way, and it's essentially a tax compliance business. And what's guaranteed in life? Death and, and taxes. taxes. That's so. right. And and that's what he was saying. You know, taxes have been around for thousands of years, so it's never, it's not going away, unfortunately. I mean, I wish they did. <laughs> no, that's right. And I liked I liked this business. It was probably one of my top three of the picks um, on the day, and it's operating in 165 countries already, and it's talking about expanding into the emerging markets. Yeah. So if you're interested in this one, you would look it up on your investing apps. You type in AVLR on the New York Stock Exchange. You'd find that it's a 12 billion market cap. It last traded around $139 US per share. And the coverage on this stock has a price target of it reaching $212. So roughly 52%. Now remember, back, it's he picked Bill. So I think this is one to watch. Yeah, he seems to pick, you know, Things that you'd think are relatively boring, but really needed. Taxes and accounting. I mean, snore, but they killed it. They did kill it. (laughs) So he's picking, you know, he's not just picking the story, isn't he? He's picking what you actually need. Yeah, that's right. So then the final sector was industrials. And it was actually the first speaker from Cooper Investors that spoke. So Felicity, what was her stock pitch? So hers was Tektronic Industries, and it's actually known as a power tool industrials company. But it should also be considered more of a technology company 
company, she said. Now, she explained how the company has a deep understanding of its customers' needs through product innovation. It grows sales by developing quality products, not cutting prices, and is expanding into Europe and Asia. So as investors, there's more to Tektronic than cordless power tools. She outlined that the Hong Kong-listed stock has more in common with Silicon Valley than industrials, uh, citing its migration into lithium-ion batteries as early as 2004. Now the yeah, shares, cool. yeah, the shares have climbed 52% this year to Hong Kong $167, um, and she's actually predicting that it's going to be 215 Hong Kong dollars within the next 12 to 18 months. That's pretty impressive, seeing as we've had you know such a demise on the Hong Kong stock exchange. Now the code is 0669. Uh, the market cap is 40 billion. Last traded 165 Hong Kong dollars, and analyst 12 month consensus is $191. So 15% uh, upside here. I thought this was an interesting one because she uh, was recently, she said, returned from their boardroom in Hong Kong and it looked like it was someone's garage, like it was a it was a man cave, right? And I think it's a bit of a no-brainer when she was telling the compelling story that they're moving away from your boring power tools like your more, your lawnmowers, for example, mm. and they're moving into like snowblowers and all these other areas. Well, things that people need and use. And to Charlie's point, they stick to their knitting. They just sell the one product. They don't get caught up in their mixed messaging. Like think about how successful Coke's been, the one product. Yeah, I like right? that ending with the Coca-Cola placement. <laughs> yeah, and he, he was like, of course I'm drinking Diet Coke, yeah. eh? So there were a lot of great ideas and companies that were discussed, we thought, in this year's Sewn Hearts and Minds conference. As you can tell, we love the day. We love the event. It gets us talking about the markets and the companies, and it's how we can find businesses that we've never heard of, and it sparks our interest to really look them up. So we hope you enjoyed the recap of the event as much as we loved chatting about it. Now, before we sign off, please remember that although Felicity and I are financial advisors at Shore & Partners, please note our discussion today does not constitute as financial advice. Yes, we have access to lots of research and broker articles, so we did do some research on these companies, but it's not considered personal advice. And feel free to reach out to us on our social media channels or send us an email, which are displayed in our show notes below. And make sure you follow us on at Talk Money To Me podcast for daily market updates. And we're going to be releasing a question on Friday. Until next time. Thanks, guys. Look forward to the next Sewn Hearts conference next year. Bye-bye. Talk Money to Me is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Talk Money to Me are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. 
do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Talk Money to Me acknowledge the traditional custodians and country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.